You've tuned into Omega Church. We are a people hungry to encounter God through worship and His Word, being witnesses to the world around us. We pray this teaching blesses you and trust God will reveal Himself to you in a new way today. And if you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or to find out more about Omega, head to our website or Facebook page through the links below. Amen. That's really good. So we continue our study on uh, the book of Hosea. We study chapter 11 today. We have a little time constraint, but I will do my best. Uh, <clears throat> cool. Now we are studying chapter 11 today. How many of you have come, read this chapter uh, during the week sometime? One, two, three. I think you deserve chocolate now. I don't know how long we'll keep giving out, but I expect, yeah, that's good. I want to encourage you guys to engage with the scripture before you come, so that when again, when we are revisiting the scripture from the pulpit, you will know. So well, that's the best way. I mean, this is the culture I want to promote. As I'm telling you, I want us to be Bible-based church who will feed on the word regularly and who will uh, meditate upon the word, who will sustain by the word. You, for you, that is your breath. That's your food. That is your strength. That is your hope. The, everything for you from the Bible. So how do we do it? You read the chapter. Takes five minutes a day. You read say six times you read in a week also. When you come back on Sunday and you listen to the word, something fresh will come and refresh you. And that word will be written in your heart more deeply. And when the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you at a later time, he will take what you already preserved in your heart and speak to you again freshly. Does it make sense? So I encourage you to read next week. What's the chapter? 12, yes. More chocolates to go. Okay? <laughs> Good. So first thing that I want to say here in this chapter, you see um, five different expressions of God's love. How many types of God's love? Five. Let's go one by one. Uh, before I go launch into that, when you read this chapter, you can divide the chapter into two large chunks. Verses 1 to 7 and verses 8 to 11. And verse 12 onwards, it goes into another thought that will be carried over into chapter 12. If you observe, see, I'm using the word observe. When you observe chapter 11, verses 1 to 7, the tense used is past tense. It's all about the past. But when you read from 8 to 11, the tense is future tense. Am I communicating? Yeah. So, what, what, what are we going to see? We will, we will look into it very shortly. But the five kinds of, uh, moreover, when you again have to, uh, why do I do that is, I want you to engage the scripture. So here when you see, um, you do not see in chapter 11 a lot of references to the name Lord or Yahweh much. But you see the personal pronoun, he, is used twice. I, personal pronoun, is used 16 times. The word I. And then you see my five times. What do you understand from that 
repetition of I, my, he. This is all representing God, not the prophet. So it is a very personal verse from the heart of God. Anybody? Amen. Amen. <laughs> what is God's heart? You want to know? It's in chapter 11. The whole of Hosea's God's heart you can know in chapter 11, verses 1 to 7. The five kinds of love. The number one is adopting love. Everybody say adopting. Verse 1, what does it say? When Israel was a child, I loved him. He adopted him. He was, Israel was in slavery in Egypt. But God adopted Israel and called him my son. He called him my son. That is adopting love. The second time you see um, adopting love, and then you have a tender love like parents teaching children. Um, what, where does it say? And out of Egypt, I call my son. Sorry, that's not the one. Verse 3. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it. I was... It was I who healed them. So here, I mean, focus on, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. You know, we do with Matthias these days. We hold his hands and we walk with him. Little, little steps. And what a great joy when you see the child walk. And many of us, if he's crawling on the ground, what are you going to do if you find Matthias? You're going to reach out, lift him up. That's what God is doing. This is, in all the entire Bible, chapter 11, verse 3, is the most tender expression of God's love. God lifting up Israel like a parent lifts up the child and brings him close to his cheek. What did it say there? Verse 4. Um, to them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. But that Hebrew is a little bit mixed up. So translators have uh, different ways of translating it. So some people say, lifted up yoke from their neck. But someone says, uh, it was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. Both ways we take it. I have no problem with that. I don't want to favor one against the other. I will take both. And then you see in verse 1 as well, inviting love. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. I called my, everybody say, I called my son. Now, whatever we are talking this morning about Israel is true about each one of us. Because we are the Israel of God. Everybody who believes in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. And whatever is applicable to Israel is applicable to you and me. So, here is the second, uh, the third form of your expression of love is inviting love. God is inviting all the time. If you didn't invite him, you would not believe in Jesus any time. If you are a believer, that means you responded to his invitation. And here God says, I call my son. He invites. And then, verse 8. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over Israel? Now, from that verse, what we understand is sympathetic love. How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. 
all my compassion is aroused that is sympathetic love you know it is more than sympathy it's empathetic god can understand you he can place himself in your shoes and feel what you feel and experience what you experience and you may say does god really care the fact that he became christ and walked on earth and died for you upon the cross is to walk in your shoes feel your pain to feel your rejection to feel your unloveness to feel your loneliness to feel your helplessness he did all that when he walked on earth he did walk in your shoes very empathetic very sympathetic love he demonstrated by his incarnation and ultimately verse 9b later part of verse 9b says for i am god and not a man the holy one among you the holy one among you he is in our midst in christ it was completely fulfilled incarnation of christ that is god's love five different kinds of love now in verses 1 to 7 again you to make it easy i highlighted the words there whatever you see in red is what god did for israel whatever you see in the purple is what israel did to god how do you like it and look at it what god did for us he loved us you know that's one of the greatest thing that you can ever feel is god's love he god loved us this goes back when did god love israel when he was a child that means when he was not formed into a nation yet he was in slavery in egypt that was his child childhood childhood is slavery because they are dependent they are not independent they are not strong so from those days god loved israel when he was still a child and not yet a nation from there he set his love upon them exodus chapter 4 verse 22 then tell pharaoh that this is what the lord says israel is my first born son israel is my first born son so what is god trying to say your hands off my son the hands of my son you know anybody touches your son you are going to fight a long time ago i remember suddenly now as i am speaking we are going in the train and john was very very young he must be two and a half or three years old there was a young boy who was also not very old must be six or seven but he put on a mask like a tiger and he was walking in the train trying to uh, beg for arms and when john saw that boy he started crying ah! because he saw the tiger's face what i did was wrong but i went and beat that guy and drove him out from there quickly why because i loved my son but if i loved that boy i would have done something for him and say okay take this money and go from here i am wrong what i did but now i realize what i should have done actually but what the point i'm trying to make is we love our children and we protect them we protect them and that's what god is saying to pharaoh take a hands off israel is my first born how many times god would be telling the devil that same thing in your life you may not realize how many times god has told devil off hey that's is my son that's my daughter you can't touch i bought them with my blood that's amazing anybody is excited you can shout hallelujah no problem Now I'm coming to the most important part. 
This verse, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son, is quoted by Matthew in uh, his gospel, chapter 2, verse 15, where he stayed until the death of Herod. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Huh. What a connection. Hosea writes something, and after a few hundreds of year, years, Matthew says, this is to fulfill, to understand this again, this is the Christmas season anyway. To understand this, you have to read Matthew chapter 2, in which you see the Magi come to visit the baby Jesus and bring the gifts and all that. But before they came, they first approached the king here and said, where is the king of the Jews? We have seen the star, his star, we have come to worship him. He was alarmed. The whole palace was alarmed. The king of the Jews is born. So he says, okay, okay, find out. But when you come back, when you find him, come back and tell me, I too will go and worship him. He wanted to finish him off, basically. But then the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and says, take up the child and go to Egypt until this king dies because he is going to seek and kill all the boys. And Joseph goes. And after a few years, when the king here dies, again, Joseph, I mean, the angel appears to him in a dream and says, now the people who are seeking his life are dead. So take up your son and go back to Israel. So he comes. But when he comes, he knows that that Herod's son was the king. So he was afraid to be there. Again, the angel says, withdraw to Galilee. So he goes to Nazareth. Everything that happened in the life of Christ is to fulfill the word of God. Say, everything that happened in Christ's life is to fulfill the word of God. Now, that is amazing for me. Why is it amazing, you must ask. Ask me, why is it amazing? <laughs> there is a concept in the scripture called solidarity. I was trying to think about the word solidarity, <clears throat> but it was not coming too close to what I have in my heart. <coughs> Sorry. There's another word which Paul invented or used. The word preposition, en, in Greek, which translated as in, in English, in Christ Jesus. We are in union with Christ. We are one with Christ. There is a union between God and man. And when God adopted Israel as my firstborn, he says, you are my son. Whatever is going to happen to you is going to happen to me. What you are going to feel, I am going to feel. Your, your pain is my pain. Did he not say when Saul was persecuting the church, why do you persecute? Saul, Saul, why do you? Why are you persecuting me? That is a union between God and man. There's a union between God and man. And this is amazing to me. It's very amazing to me. And whatever happens to Christ is happening to you. Whatever happens to Christ is happening to you. When he died, you were dead in him. When he was buried, you were buried with him. When he was raised from the dead, you were raised with him. When he seated with the right of the Father, you are seated with him in the heavenly places. Right now. That's amazing. Somebody said, that's amazing. I have a lot more to say, but again, time constraint. So I will <laughs> keep going forward. And the next thing that you see 
the same thing you see that some kind of idea in second corinthians chapter 5 verse 14 for christ love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all therefore all died this is the idea i'm trying to say what happened to christ happens to you and me when he died we all died romans chapter 6 verse 5 for if we have become one with him if we have become one with him in the amplified it says permanently united in the likeness of his death we will also certainly be one with him and share fully in the likeness of his resurrection hallelujah so don't look at the scriptures as something isolated words here and there but they have connections they are all connected what hosea writes matthew talks about it paul talks about it it's all one big idea that we and god are one at the same time it is not that idea pantheistic idea why i will come to it little later i think it's there um there is that pantheism yeah verse 9 for i am god and not man the holy one among you i will not come in wrath so here when it's when he says i am god and not man what does he mean by that god is transcendent he's so far away so far off so highly exalted there's nothing common in one in in, in a sense at the same time he is also so close to us because he became man in his incarnation the transcendent god became an immanent god what is immanent in english immanent simply means one who is close very close god is not a god who is far off but he is close to you he is very close to you in incarnation and that's amazing and this is of course christmas season as well and i didn't plan this way but it is happening in hosea 11 we have much to talk about christmas and the second thought that i see here is uh it was i who taught ephraim to walk that's the second thought no third one brother i who taught ephraim to walk now what a kind of god we have who cares for us think about your past look back into your life how many times you rebelled against god how many times you sinned against god how many times you uh, uh, we have all failed god we have not lived up to his expectation we have disappointed him but he never left that hand he never left that hand he has taught us to walk praise the lord then again when you are taking a child and walking today you in our modern in our modern homes we have got carpets all over in the house you fall also nothing happens to your knee but imagine the days when jesus was or much before if you fall you are going to bruise your knee but when god took them by hand and taught them to walk when they fall when the knee is bruised he is the one who is going to apply the ointment and heal them in your walk as a christian when you fall and are bruised god is the one who heals you he doesn't leave you alone when you're hurt and you're crying there was in verse 3 again you see in verse 4 i led them with cords of human kindness god is a god who guides us he guides i tell you i have no worst express after being a christian for more than 40 years 
and I look back, every negative experience that I have, I was grumbling about, when I look back, now I see that's a blessing. Every delay is a blessing. Every denial is a blessing. Why? Because God plans it in such a way to make a blessing. He is the one who leads you in life. Every bad experience, negative experience, when you look back, you learn something from it. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then you look up again in the later part of it. I lifted the yoke from their neck. This is NIV. 1984. I put the word 1984 because, yes, <laughs> you got an ivy. That's good. Because it is a change in the later versions. So I lift up the yoke from their neck. In ivy 1984. He is our deliverer. Everybody say, he is our deliverer. He removes the yoke from your neck and he sets you free. And then I bent down to feed them. I bent down feed them. You know, when he, this is again reflecting always in the, in the Old Testament or in the Bible, things always, they look back and refer to something. What was he referring to? How he fed them in, in the wilderness by giving them manna for 40 years. God bent down and fed them. It is a very personal way of feeding them and taking care of them, providing for them. And God bent down and fed them. The interesting thing about the word feed in the Hebrew, is pretty close to the word flash in verse 6. A sword will flash in their cities. The Hebrew is so close, you can say the sword was feeding on Israel. When we neglect God's feeding us, the spiritual food, the sword will feed on us later. So we need to be very careful about that. And then, Okay, there are seven different things. Now, how did Israel respond to God by doing things? Verse 2, but the more they were caught, more they went away from me. Disobedience. Everybody said disobedience. God loved, God called, and God taught, God healed, God led them, God delivered them, and God fed them. And what are the, in response, they did disobedience. They walked away from him. The more and more they called. So what, what is Hosea referring to here? He's referring to all the prophetic ministry in the Old Testament. Every time the prophet came and tried to woo their heart, to make them love the Lord. Think about Elijah. Decide today whether Yahweh is God or Baal is God. It was a so clear-cut challenge. But the more God confronted them, the more God proved his faithfulness to them, they walked away from him. Do we do sometimes that kind of walking away from God? And they did, what did they do? They sacrificed the balls and they burned incense to images. indulged idolatry. I tell you, idolatry is the most hateful thing in the mind of God, the heart of God. I usually give this example, you know. If I, if some, I, mean, if, if I have a younger son and then he comes and hugs this pulpit and says, you are my daddy, what am I going to do? Give me one whack and say, I'm standing here. That's not your God. That's not your dad. So idolatry is so hateful to God because that challenges his nature, that challenges his, who God is, that he's a living one. They were, they were replacing the living God with trees which cannot speak, with animals, 
with all uh, mixed forms of uh, I mean gods they created and they attributed it to sun and to stars and the moon and all kinds of things. That's hateful to God because it, just like we use the word dehumanize to uh, talk about somebody uh, putting them down, you think about it something that happens to God like that. You take that godness out of him by worshiping an idol. And then they did not realize was three. But they did not realize it was I who healed them, uh, healed them. Lack of ignorance and lack of awareness. Sometimes people don't know their God. It's simple like that. You just don't know. You don't appreciate God. Why do we have this worship time on Sunday morning? The worship time is to connect with this God. To give him the due worship. That you are acknowledging that he is God. And he deserves your worship. He deserves your obedience. He deserves your sacrifice. Deserves your surrender. This is to keep saying, why do we have to do it week after week after week? Because we forget. You lose touch with God as you go about doing things in life. That's the reason why we have a set time. But we should do it every day in our lives. We should do that every day in our lives. Lack of awareness. And then you see in verse 5, they returned. They refused to repent. And then, when, when, will they not return to Egypt and will not Assyria rule over them because they refused to repent? They refused to repent. That is the cause for their deportation and exile. That is the cause for that exile is they refused to repent. They don't want to acknowledge this God. They don't want to come back to this God. So God says, will you not go to Egypt? Will not Assyria rule over you? That means that's a consequence to your not accepting me. And in verse 6, a sword will flash in the cities. You know, this is a very sad kind of expression. This word that is used here, a, flash, a sword will flash in the cities. Basically, it was saying a sword will flash on the city gates. It automatic looks like. So, <clears throat> the sword will flash in the city gates. What does it mean? Violence will visit your city. Violence will visit your nation, which is not a good idea. Why does, it, why does violence come to them? Because they refuse to repent. Basically, it simply means rebellious practices and attitudes. Their rebellion and their attitude towards God to refuse him, what brings exile? What brings the sword into the city? It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. It will put an end to their plans. You know, when you see, when you read in the Hebrew, that becomes a cause. Here it, it, in English it says, put an end to their plan. Is actually, is more passive. Is receiving uh, the result of their action. But when you read in the Hebrew, it becomes very active. It is because of their plans that is causing the sword to come to visit the city gates. It is the cause, active cause. Their plans. What are their plans? 
they don't want to look to God and make them his, their king. And they were looking towards Egypt or to Assyria. All the time. All the time. When you read the Old Testament, you see either they go towards Egypt or go towards Assyria. When the Assyrian king comes, they go to Egypt. Oh, take this silver, protect us. It fails. And again, when Nebuchadnezzar comes, the same thing. They take the silver and gold, everything from the temple, they strip it and give it to someone and say, protect us. But God says, no, that's not how it's going to be. I am your God. I am your king. And you refuse me, you will go into exile. And then you see there, put an end to their plans. That's the cause of the deportation. Uh, my people are determined to turn from me. What does the word exactly mean? Backsliding. For God's faithfulness, provision, protection, healing. What are they? They're turning away from God. They're actually, uh, even though they call me God most high, I will by no means exalt them. To turn from me means backsliding. And unanswered prayer. Even though they call upon me and say, God most high, I'm not going to exalt them. I'm not going to answer their prayer. Now, these are the consequences of refusing God, rejecting God, turning away from him, backsliding, becoming and uh, turning to idolatry. All these kinds of consequences are what the Israel has given to God. His seven good things he did for them and the seven different bad things they did to God. But I want you to focus on from verses 8 to 11 now. Verse 8. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? And how can I make you like Zeboim? Now, Adma and Zeboim, who are they? You have to read back again in the, in the book of Genesis. Um, in the book of Genesis chapter 14. Four kings were attacked, by, I mean, uh, five kings were attacked by four kings. And they succeed and they carry away everything, including Lot and his family, his wives, children, all that he had. Everything was taken away. Then one guy escapes and comes to Abraham and gives a report. So Abraham takes his people, his allies, and goes and fights them and defeats them and sets Lot free. And everything, I mean, uh, among those kings who were defeated that day and uh, defeated completely, you have Adma and Zeboim as well. You don't read in Genesis 14 that they are completely routed, completely destroyed. You don't read it until you see those same things in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, again, he talks about it. Um, Jeremiah 30, verse 11 Sorry, I think that's not the right reference. In Jeremiah, you see that. In again, uh, uh, Isaiah, again, you see it somewhere. They were destroyed because they said they, they broke the covenant. They broke the covenant with, covenant with God. How did they break the covenant with God? There's no answer to those questions. I tried my best. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out. But in that context, again, when you read in the book of Deuteronomy, there you see Adma against Zeboim and those things you have mentioned there. But after some time it says, 
the things revealed belong to us and to our children. Secret things belong to the Lord. Deuteronomy 29:29. So that's where I want to leave it. And then, how can I give you up? How can I give you up? Where's the scripture here? Sorry, Hosea 6.4. What can I do with you, Ephraim? Yeah, this is, a, this is something similar to what he already said in chapter 6, verse 4. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. We talked about it when we, when we were dealing, studying chapter 6 of Hosea. Uh, I won't go back over it. But this is again, the rhetorical questions were asked just to convince and convict these people. How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? In Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 11, it says, For I am with you to save you, declares the Lord. I will make a full end of all the nations among whom I scattered you. But of you, I will not make a full end. I will discipline you in just measure. And I will by no means leave you unpunished. My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. Now, this is how do we understand these words. Here you see again verse 8. My heart is changed within me. All my compassions are aroused. The same words Jeremiah is using. Same words. We have been talking about in the book of Hosea from chapter 1 to chapter 10. Most of the times denunciation. How God was convicting the people. Marshalling arguments. Using different pictures through Hosea to say how sinful they are. But now chapter 11 he is talking so many good things. Does it mean he is going to forgive and forget and not punish them anymore? doesn't mean that. But he's going to deal with them gently. He's going to deal with them gently. Sometimes some of the things that we do, we cannot escape the consequences. Sometimes the consequences follow. Even though we are forgiven, restored, consequences follow. So here, what God is trying to say is the same thing. My heart is changed within me. The word changed can also be translated as churned or overturned. It's churned inside. It's deeply disturbed. It's stirred up. Why is it happening? All my compassion is roused. No, roused is something like when you make a fire and it goes down and then you blow some kind of wind on it. What happens? You blow away the ash and then it warms up again. The fire warms up again. So that is what God is saying. My heart is full of compassion. It's aroused. It's being kindled. It's being made warm again towards you. God never forgets. God never forgets. Actually, I use some strong words somewhere here. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over Israel? What I wrote here in my Bible is, he doesn't quit on you. God doesn't back off. His love is relentless. No one can stop his love, even your disobedience. One of the ways I always think about God is, in the Old Testament, you see God, Yahweh. He was pursuing man from the time Adam sinned. He was pursuing him. And in Jesus Christ, he pursued man again until he laid down his life upon him on the cross to deliver that man. Is God running after man for centuries, thousands of years. He's running after man. Yehovah Yeshua is a God, both in the Old and the New Testaments, who is running after man. That's his 
relentless love that is unstoppable love the love that cannot back off love does not quit on you tell your neighbor and god's love never quits on you was nine i will not carry out my fierce anger burning anger nor will i devastate if i am again for i am god not a man the holy one among you these are the words you will see in numbers 23 verse 19 god is not human that he should lie not a human being that he should change his mind does he speak and then not act does he promise and not fulfill this is the nature of god this is the nature of god who is continuously uh, one of the things that can that can encourage you to come to god is his unchangeableness his unchangeableness should encourage us to come to god you ask me why ask me why you know i don't want you to sleep that's the reason why i engage you this way <laughs> okay why because you think about it your child does something and your face he looks at your face and he, he knows you are not happy he turns away from you even you say come he will not come why he knows your from your face he knows no 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 i had done something wrong i cannot go to my father or mother now but god is not like that his unchangeableness his love even though you are in the wrong you can look at the face of god and run into his arms because he is unchangeable hallelujah then will follow the lord was 10 he will roar like a lion you know this word roar is not new to hosea it's been used by isaiah joel amos with the same great effect on nature um what he's trying to say here is in spite of all these things have happened a time comes when god is going to roar everybody say roar when he roars like the lion what is going to happen is the israel that is scattered all over the world will come back they'll come back from the west and from the east north and the south wherever they've been scattered they will come back and right now it is happening right now it is happening people of israel are coming back to israel from every part of the world conceivable they're coming back it is happening and his children will come trembling from the west what does it mean our god is a god of restoration everybody say restoration, restoration. so that is what is uh, our god that is what who is our god he is a god of restoration and then what happens they'll come from egypt trembling like sparrows from assyria fluttering like doves i will settle them in their homes declares the lord will be brought back from their exile God is a God who brings you back from exile, brings you back from your slavery, brings you back from your banishment, your punishment. He's going to revoke it and he's going to bless you. He will bring you back into their home, settle them in their own homes. He is a, a verse full of promise. Verse full of promise. He will settle you in your own home. He is full of promise. Full of promise. the picture of they will come trembling like birds from egypt and doves from assyria you know dove is very swift 
and very gentle as well. When you when you when it is landing, you know. When it is coming down and going to settle down, you see it's so beautiful picture. And God says, "I will bring you like a dove. I'll bring you like birds from far off, and settle in your own home." What a great promise! It's a great promise. So I just like to conclude it this morning. Think about five kinds of love, seven different ways God has loved Israel. And seven different ways Israel has rebelled against God, disobeyed God, went into idolatry, uh, made their own plans, stopped depending on God, looking to Egypt, looking to Assyria. But God says, in spite of all this, He says, "I am not a man; I am God, and I will rule. I will bring them. I will restore them. I'll put them in their own home, in their own homes, and I will bless them and I'll give them peace." Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you for your unrelenting love. We thank you for your commitment to us. Thank you, Father, that you have settled your love upon us, never to forget forget us, never to leave us. We praise you, and you made it permanent upon the cross by your death upon the cross. Your love is proclaimed to the whole world on the cross. You laid your life, and you proclaim it as permanently given to us. God so loved the world. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Though let that cross, even though it is not physical, let the words that your love is established for humankind by your death upon the cross. Even in this season, the whole world is celebrating Christmas. Let them know that God is a God who loved humankind. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We thank you for the incarnation because that gives us comfort, that gives us encouragement, that gives us a lot of boldness to come to you. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you for your love. Bless your children. May hand be upon them. Comfort them. Encourage them. Lord, lift up their spirit and tenderly speak to them. As a father, mother lifts up their child, you lift. Thanks for joining us at Omega. If you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or simply to find out more, please head to our website or Facebook page in the links below.